Thank you for turning in to listen to Pastor Bijajan. Today we are learning along with Pastor Bijajan from the Epistle of Paul to Galatians chapter 3 verses from 1 to 14. During the course of our study, he explains us the danger of falling away to legalism and helps to focus on the Son of God. You are listening to the Bible study series from the book of Galatians by Pastor Bijajan. If you are interested you can log in to www.bijujohn.com for previous lessons of this study and other spiritual materials. Thank you for once again joining in this class. This is our fourth class. I'm Pastor Biju John. And uh, it's good to be again uh, looking into God's Word. Our subject is Book of Galatians, Paul's letter to the church at Galatia. We have been looking into chapter 1, chapter 2 and in tradition in the previous three classes. Now we are in the fourth class. Hope you are coming along and reading Bible passages and able to understand. For today we are going to read, I want to read with you into chapter 3. Paul's letter to Galatians chapter 3. For our study today we will be reading it from chapter 3 verses 1 to 14 let me read it for you what has happened to you Galatians to be acting so foolishly I'm reading one of the uh, newest translations of the New Testament which is called TPT the passion translation please listen me carefully you must have been under some evil spell. Didn't God open your eyes to see the meaning of Jesus' crucifixion? Was not He revealed to you as the crucified one? So answer me this. Did the Holy Spirit come to you as a reward for keeping all the Jewish laws? No. You received Him as a gift because you believed in the Messiah. Your new life in the anointed one began with the Holy Spirit giving you a new birth. Why then would you so foolishly turn from living in the Spirit by trying to finish by your own works? Have you entered all these trials and persecutions for nothing? Let me ask you again, what is that lavish supply of the Holy Spirit in your life and the miracles of God's tremendous power to do, have to do with you keeping the religious laws? The Holy Spirit is poured out upon us through the revelation and the power of faith, not by keeping the law. Abraham our father of faith led the way as our pioneering example. He believed God and the substance of his faith revealed God's righteousness to him. So those who are the true children of Abraham will have the same faith as their father. God's plan all along was to bring this message of salvation to the nations through the revelation of faith. Long ago, 
God prophesied over Abraham as the Holy Scriptures say through your example of faith all the nations will be blessed and so the blessing of Abraham's faith is now our blessings too but if you choose to live in bondage under the legalistic rule of religion you live under the law's curse for it is clearly written utterly cursed is everyone who fails to practice every detail and requirement that is written in this law for the scriptures reveal and it is obvious so that no one achieves the righteousness of God by attempting to keep the law for it is written those who have been made holy will live by faith but keeping the law does not require faith but self-effort for the law teaches if you practice the principles of law you must follow all of them yet Christ paid the full price to set us free from the curse of the law he absorbed it completely as he became a curse in our place for it is written everyone who is hung upon a tree is doubly cursed Jesus of a Messiah was cursed in our place and in so doing dissolved the curse from our lives so that all the blessings of Abraham can be poured out upon non-Jewish believers and now God gives us the promise of the wonderful Holy Spirit who lives within us when we believe in him this is what Apostle Paul is talking to the church at Galatia when Paul is constructing an argument to show to the people that the gospel of grace is sufficient and the gospel of grace the complete one as we have been looking at they had the problem or at least they were about to enter a situation where they will be subjected to certain rules and regulations which would eventually lead them to slavery or the other gospel which they heard from the Judaizers is this the gospel of the grace which initially brought by Paul is not sufficient enough to save this people that is what they heard from those who came later to the church at Galatia and taught these people the church in Galatia and almost they made up their mind to reject the gospel what Paul preached and go into the false gospel a new gospel or a different gospel they were almost there entering into a false gospel that is where Apostle Paul brings into Apostle Paul tries every effort to make sure or make understand these people they are not doing it rightly but rather they are going in a wrong way let us look very carefully to chapter 3 verse 1 Paul addresses them as foolish 
Galatians. Some strong words were used by Paul in our language. When Paul referred to Galatians as very foolish, or their actions warranted, or their slipping away from the truth of the original gospel, Paul calls this people as very foolish. In other words, spiritually, at least they are acting very dull. Spiritually, they are acting as if they are immature. So when Paul called these people as idiots or spiritually dull or foolish, he did not mean they were morally or mentally deficient or they were not Bruce, that they are the idea what Jesus used when he talked in gospel of Matthew chapter 7 26 and in chapter 25 one onwards Paul uses with the idea of someone who can think but fail to use their power of discerning here Paul knew these Galatians they had been taught by Paul their knowledge and their understanding, their capability, all they knew, all Paul knew, but they were not able to use those discernments to distinguish between what was right and wrong. Paul called these people, all foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Who has bewitched you or who has cast a who has cast an evil eye on you it is something of the ancient times where people accustomed to and afraid of the idea that a spell could be cast upon them by an evil eye those people who involved and practice sorceries and people who do black magics they practice this kind of actions where with an eye, evil eye they can put a spell of an evil upon people so now Paul asked a question to this people look at my brothers and sisters in Galatia in the churches in Galatia who has bewitched you or who has put the evil eye on you. You know, when Paul uses these strong statements to this people, Paul knew how much this people had been shared the true gospel. How much Paul labored to bring these people into faith in Jesus Christ. Paul uses here and asks to this people that who has bewitched you is asking to these people that they had been portrayed the picture of Christ's sacrifice on the cross very vividly clearly to the church to the people in fact their salvation or later on mentions it their salvation came or they were saved through Christ only or they were brought into the family of God by the faith on Jesus only when it is all evident Paul's preaching Paul's ministry 
and this people's faith on Jesus when all this is evident to this people but all of a sudden they are receiving something new or something adding something additional to what they are already received let us look into here what apostle Paul was saying here since we only had a few minutes to look into I need your careful lunch attention to each of this passage we have or we are looking at it now Paul is building an argument which involves the personal experiences of Galatians you know what was the personal experiences of these Galatians number one they had Christ portrayed among them as Christ crucified or Christ dying on the cross you can see here Paul is asking a question to them was it not my message that I originally preached among you was it not Christ died on the cross for you did God open your eyes to see the meaning of Jesus crucifixion when I originally gave you the gospel they saw the Son of God or they had seen God the Son in verse 1 through Christ cross or Christ work on the cross as the crucified Messiah in fact brothers and sisters our salvation I believe most of us who are listening to me who are placed our trust on Jesus how did we become Christian or what all that involved in our conversion some of you had the privilege of being born in a Christian home some of you had the privilege of going to Sunday schools learning scripture before you actually accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior and become a member of the family of God praise God for our experiences but some of us did not have that privilege being in a Christian home having a Christian name or a Christian heritage we were born in a Hindu or or a different religion but in the course of our life we had the privilege of hearing the good news of the gospel or good news of Jesus that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins then we wondered if Jesus died for my sins on the cross is it enough and sufficient for my salvation then you understood from the scripture and the Holy Spirit has convinced you or Holy Spirit has convinced us Jesus death on the cross 
your new life was anointed and it began by giving with the holy spirit the third person of the trinity but now look at here please pause for a second they had the second person of the trinity clearly pictured before them as a projector showing cross Christ on it and now as a result they place their trust on Jesus the second thing happened with them is a great transformation happening with this for this people what happened to them they are received the Holy Spirit they are received God's anointing in their lives the power had come into their lives the person of the Holy Spirit had come into their lives to dull. You know, in Paul's writing to Corinthians, Paul reminds the church in Corinth, knowing not that you are the temple of God and God's Holy Spirit dwells in you. When a person is in Christ, he receives the Holy Spirit. And the scripture talks to us from the book of Romans. No one can say that Christ is Lord except through the Holy Spirit. John chapter 3. Gospel of John chapter 3. Jesus talked to Nicodemus, the Jewish leader, a Jewish teacher that a sinner believes in Christ and he is the born of the Spirit of God you must be born of the Spirit of God a believer is sealed by the Holy Spirit Ephesians chapter 1 it is given as the guarantee and that we will share with the glory of Christ in our life here on this earth and there on the future so, since a believer has received the Holy Spirit by placing his trust in Jesus and getting saved, this means he has a responsibility to that Holy Spirit to lead us subjected and yielding to that Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit in his life. Paul talks repeatedly in his epistles. A Christian should walk in the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5. A Christian should walk in the Holy Spirit. And he should pray in the Holy Spirit. Obey God's will by yielding to the Holy Spirit. And also Paul wants when he was writing to the letter to the Ephesians, if a Christian disobey God, he is grieving the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is living in us. Holy Spirit is living within us. He is empowering us. He is strengthening us. He is giving us strength to lead a holy life. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Jesus promised it to the church when the Holy Spirit will come upon you 
you shall receive power and then you shall be my witnesses so coming back to the galatian christians here they saw the son of god crucified on the cross and they had received god the holy spirit within them and then paul is continuing asking a question in verse Five. Paul is asking the third question. Let me ask you again: What is the lavish supply of the Holy Spirit in your life, and the miracles of God's tremendous power? How to do with you keeping religious laws? You know, Paul is asking this question to the church. You have the abundant supplies, the Spirit to you. And works miracles among you. Does he do it by the works of the law or by hearing of the faith? There, Paul is asking the question. Does he? Paul is referring to God the Father. Oh, God the Father doing the miracles, the works, the works that he is doing in your life. The miracles that is happening in your life—is it you experienced it? You saw Christ. You have the Holy Spirit. You are received the Holy Spirit. Now miracles are happening in your life, or you are experienced miracles in your life. Is it by faith, or is it by keeping the law? So Paul is asking the question. So these three questions you need to understand here. Number one, they saw God the Son. They received God the Holy Spirit, and they received miracles from God the Father. So Paul is constructing an argument here. All your experiences, your experience of seeing Christ crucified on the cross. Your experience of God, the Holy Spirit, coming and dwelling in you, and then, importantly, your experience of knowing and experiencing daily miracles happening in your life. Those miracles brought into your lives by God the Father. Was it because you have kept the law, or? Was it by faith? Paul is asking to the church at Galatia. Now, Paul had a very strong argument here. Paul had a strong. Paul had a strong point to put it before the church at Galatia. You know what is the strong point? Paul is putting it before the church at Galatia. None of those experiences. Seeing Christ on the cross, the vision of Christ, receiving the Holy Spirit, and the miracles wrought in their life by God the Father, these are not as a result of following Jewish laws. These are all experiences in their personal lives, but their faith. 
and the gospel Paul preached. So now, the problem with the church at Galatia was this. It is not the insufficiency of what Paul preached. Or it is not what Paul preached a less gospel. Or Paul preached not a complete gospel. But rather, some people came to the church at Galatia and have turned their faith from on Jesus and the gospel of grace and they begin to inject in them something which they thought that their gospel was not complete or their preaching was their their salvation was not complete so they the judaizers adding to Moses law or putting more to what Paul was preaching that is the problem here in the church at Galatia from 6 to 14 that's the second part of our study today the first part we saw Paul is reminding these people of their own personal experience how they got saved by seeing and believing on Jesus Christ crucified number two how they have received the Holy Spirit the experience of the Holy Spirit in them and number three the experiences of great miracles happening them happening in them which is wrought by God the Father now Paul is not only limiting it to their own experience Paul wanted to prove his argument here for that Paul brings some historical evidences to this people those historical evidences are taken from the scripture those history of the Bible shows it to explains it to this people that your gospel and the gospel which I preached and you have believed by faith on Jesus is sufficient is evident from the history of the scripture itself let's go to the second part of our study today at 6 to 14 here Paul brings some historical evidences here verses 6 and 7 Paul brings the father Abraham himself to the church at Galatia and those people who brought additional to what Paul preached in Galatia they subscribed to father Abraham because they every Jew or every Judaizer who preaches and practices Moses law they all subscribe to finally to Abraham Abraham as their father in fact that was as a, as a nation their beginning was in Abraham God calling and separating Abraham then through Abraham a descendants from the offsprings of Abraham the children of Abraham Abraham Isaac 
Jacob and their descendants, full tribes. And coming to this point, when you subscribe to Abraham as your father, Paul is bringing Abraham himself before them. Paul is bringing the argument, the scriptural, historical argument for these people to prove that your father Abraham, he was saved not by keeping the law of Moses. In fact, there was no law when Abraham lived. So here, in verse 6, Paul talks to these people. How was Abraham made righteous before God? Abraham, our father of faith, led the way as our pioneering example. Paul talks it here. Brothers and sisters in Galatia, you know those Judaizers came who subscribe who are subscribing to Father Abraham. Even Father Abraham, even their father Abraham, he is an example for us, our pioneering, the beginning example for what? He believed God and the substance of his faith released God's righteousness to him. You know, Paul is constructing this argument here. What is that? Just as Abraham among the Galatian Christians, the push towards a work-based relationship with God came from certain other Christians who were born as Jews who claimed Abraham as their spiritual ancestor. And here, Paul used Abraham as an example of being right before God by faith and not by work. Or no, by faith plus work. You know, some people argue that your faith is not alone. Your faith is not enough alone. Or your faith is not alone sufficient or your work is also needed faith plus work no Abraham is an example before us now all is arguing look at Abraham the historical figure the father of all the faith he is our pioneering example he believed in God and the substance of his faith released God's righteousness to Abraham so Abraham was saved by faith. When Abraham was saved by faith, Abraham believed God. It was accounted to him for righteousness. Paul is quoting it here from Genesis chapter 15, 6. It simply shows, it simply shows the righteousness and the righteousness was accounted to Abraham because he believed God. It was not because he performed some work and certainly not because he was circumcised because the covenant of circumcision was not given yet. Genesis chapter 15, 1 to 6 shows that when Abraham put his trust in God, especially in God's promise to give to him children that would eventually bring forth Messiah, God credited this belief to Abraham's account as righteousness. Abraham was not justified merely 
because he believed he believed that god would multiply his seed but he became but he believed or he embraced the grace of god trusting to the promised messiah promised mediator there are essentially two types of righteousness righteousness we accomplish by our own deeds our efforts and the righteousness which will be accounted to us by the work of god when we believe since none of us can be good enough to accomplish perfect righteousness there is no one righteous before god not any other work will perform any action towards god which will please god we must have god's righteousness accounted to us or accounted to us by doing just what abraham did what did abraham do abraham believed god abraham believed god now paul is constructing this argument here the faith on god god was the center of abraham's faith abraham trusted god abraham believed god and it was accounted to him for righteousness romans chapter 4 verse 22 romans chapter 4 verse 9 to 10 romans chapter 4 verse 3 you know these are references to paul's to argue that abraham's righteousness was not he earned it by his work but rather it was accounted to him it was given to him or it was placed in abraham's account because he believed god what did abraham do for god's righteousness abraham believed god so now all is coming to the galatian christian season these people who preached the false gospel to you said your righteousness is not in jesus but rather your righteousness comes through doing the work of the law or obeying the law or going back to circumcision that was evident by following the law now these people who subscribed to abraham as their father and their father abraham did not do the work to be righteous but rather he believed god so now paul is constructing here abraham believed god he obeyed god abraham believed in god and obeyed god then his salvation or therefore the sons of abraham it was seven so those who are true children of abraham will have the same faith as their father please listen to me for a minute those people who are the children of abraham sons of abraham you know abraham had natural sons then abraham has spiritual sons abraham has promised to sarah natural 
spiritual promised now paul is constructing this argument here in verse 7 so those who are true children of abraham those who are the true children of abraham will have the same faith as their father the sons abraham this is a strong rebuke paul gives to those jewish christians who are trying to bring Gentile christians under the law they believed they were superior because they are they are descended from abraham father abraham and they observed the law and paul said that most important link to abraham was not the link to their genetics not the link of the works but it is the link of faith how are we connected to abraham are we connected to abraham we are from the gentile backgrounds we come from non-jewish backgrounds are we connected to abraham of course we are connected to abraham through faith we are connected to abraham through the promise and the promise god god gave to abraham in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed god gave the promise to abraham in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed so when god gave that promise to abraham the blessings will be not only for their natural descendants which happen the natural descendants are through isaac through jacob through the generations of abraham and they are also all the nations of the earth will be blessed all the nations of the earth will be blessed so the blessing is for all nations so all nations will be blessed through abraham and through the seed of abraham the promise of abraham and god said the seed god promised to abraham the seed not talking about the seeds but the seed when Paul was talking to Galatians, not through the seas, but through the sea. Who is that sea? Son of Abraham, Isaac, and his son, Jacob, and through 12 tribes. And then, through the son of David. And then, Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah. So it was the promise of God to Abraham. Through the seed of Abraham, all the nations will be blessed. So here, Paul is strongly rebuking the church, which is falling away from, or going away from the seed of Abraham, that is Jesus. You are not going to be saved by following the works of the law, but you are saved through your faith in the seed of Abraham. Your faith in the seed. You know, in this passage from 6, 3, 6 to 14, Paul abused several historical and several scriptural references. Paul brought it here. The sons of Abraham, he used, and then the blessings that which is given through the salvation for the whole salvation is for the whole gentiles 
salvation comes through Jesus Christ with verses 13 and 14 Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us for it is written curse is everyone who hangs on a tree that the blessing of Abraham had come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith so the salvation comes through Jesus Christ it was very evident Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law because we did not actually do and follow the law at all the law put us under a curse but now Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the law redeemed as the idea of buying us back buying us from the clutches of the law if the law was sufficient enough if the law was sufficient enough to save a sinner there's no need for Christ to die Paul was arguing it Jesus brought us out from under the curse of the law he simply puts it this way in Jesus we are not cursed anymore and the curse has no dominion the curse has no dominion over us we are not cursed anymore because Jesus brought us out from under the grace and we are saved from all of the sins from all the curse of the law that has brought for generations so now the question is do you want to go back under that curse do you want to go back under the curse of the law again or you want to remain as free redeemed through Jesus Christ for that he became a curse for us who Jesus Christ this explains how Jesus paid the price to rescue us Jesus became a curse on our behalf he stood in our place and took the curse we deserve he took the place of us when he died on the cross Paul does not say that Christ was made a curse for himself Christ is personally innocent personally he did not deserve to be hanged for any crime of his own doing but because Christ took the place of others who were sinners he was hanged like any other transgressors he died for others whatever sins I and you all of us have committed or shall commit they are Christ's sins as if he had committed them himself our sins has to be Christ's sins or we shall all perish likewise in our sins for it is written cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree when did Jesus pay the price the principles of Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 23 shows Jesus received this curse upon himself as he hung on the cross fulfilling Deuteronomy chapter 21 verse 33 sorry 23 promise of a curse to those who are not only executed 
but how their bodies publicly exposed to shame. He was hanged on a tree that the blessings of Abraham might come into our lives. Jesus received the curse of the Lord and we deserve that but he did not give that one to us the curse but rather we receive the blessings of Abraham which was promised to Abraham which he deserved and we did not it would be enough if Jesus simply took the curse we deserve but he did for far more than that he gave the blessings that we did not deserve the blessings of Abraham and we Gentiles in Jesus Christ this tells us to whom the blessings of Abraham comes or did not mean that it came not only upon the Gentiles and if, if Jews were excluded was it the blessings for even the natural descendant definitely it, is, it comes upon those who believe in Jesus Amen thank you